the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Right now, there's a situation brewing in the men's basic department. Men are being held hostage by overpriced brands that simply aren't mission-tested. That's why we're excited to tell you about Undertack, the only brand that's literally been battle-tested by special forces. These have to be the greatest boxers ever made because they cover all the bases. High-quality material that's antibacterial, anti-pilling, and moisture-wicking so you stay fresh and dry all day. Uh, I recently did a 30-mile run in preparation for an ultramarathon in a couple weeks wearing the Recon boxers, and they were absolutely incredible. I loved them. They have a quick-release fly and a secret pocket in the extra-wide waistband for cash or tactical necessities. Undertack is durable, ultralight, fade-resistant, and shrink-resistant. And here's the best part, they're almost 30% less than the competition. Go to getundertack.com. That's getundertack.com right now. Save 20% off your order with the offer code SITREP20. All one word, SITREP20. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. That is a great American company that's unapologetically pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, and pro-military. That's getundertack.com. GetUndertack.com, offer code SITREP20. Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Situation Report. Very glad to have you joining us and looking forward to uh, an excellent conversation and looking forward to sharing that with you. I'm so thankful for the guests that we're able to have on this show. We say that our goal every single episode, three times a week, is to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. And our guest today helps us do that. I'm so thankful to be able to speak with him. There are a lot of things that happen in our world. When we talk about an ever-changing culture, there are so many things that happen in our world that happen around us. We're busy doing our jobs and living our lives and just involved in what we're involved in. While these things happen, they don't really impact us on a day-to-day basis. Uh, Maybe we need to be more aware. (laughs) Maybe we need to just let it go. Maybe people without anxiety are those who know how to let it go. Uh, Whatever the case, there's a lot of stuff that happens. But there are things that happen in an ever-changing culture that really stand right in front of our face. These are things that we have to deal with. We'd like to ignore them. We'd like to pretend they're not issues, but they're there. I'll say as Christians, and I am a Christian, if you are not a person of faith, perhaps you can at least relate to this. You can understand where I'm coming from. If you're an American, you at least know what this is like as someone who hopes to have the protections of the Constitution. But as a Christian and as one who values the Constitution, It is so often these changes in culture that jump up in front of us and seek to take away our rights as Christians, as Americans, to do what we believe we have been called to do. Again, this is something that can be difficult to understand, but the best analogy perhaps is that of raising children. 
I have four kids, and I believe that God gave those children to me, not to be mine, but to steward over them, to care for them, to teach them and to train them, to raise them up so that when they are old enough to go out on their own, they will have been taught everything they need to live a successful life beyond my home. Really, the goal of parenting is to help your kids move out of the house. (laughs) Not in a bad way, you want them to come back and visit, but your goal is to equip them to move on. For me, that means equip them to move into society as someone who understands what they believe, understands their faith. They have the skills they need to interact with others and to provide uh, meaningful relationships and to invest in their communities in a way that is helpful. That's our goal. As a Christian, I view that from a biblical perspective. I view how I raise my kids and what I teach them and how I train them from a biblical perspective. Culture used to accept that. Here in the United States, we've always lived with the principle of kind of live and let live, even though people outside of faith communities may not agree with what we believe as people who hold to Scripture, they would at least allow that to happen, allow us to live as we saw fit, to teach and train our kids as we believed was best. Often people would do that not only because they believe in the Constitution and believe in individual rights and freedoms, but because they understand that Christian communities, those who live by the rule of Scripture, are good for the community at large. But so much has changed. We now see direct conflict between culture and cultural norms and coming cultural norms and what the Bible preaches and teaches, what the Bible tells us we should do. As Christians, we believe we are created by God and that He has a particular way that He wants us to live, that the ultimate goal is to glorify Him, to point people back to Him. Culture, although it once accepted that, no longer accepts it. Now we see culture telling us that our children need to be taught issues of gender identity as early as kindergarten. That critical race theory and intersectionality and some of the other things we've talked about on this show, that these are the norms they must be taught to our children. And as a Christian parent, I have to push back on that and say no. Well, what happens when who I am as a Christian comes into conflict with culture, but more than that, with the government of culture? As an American citizen, I believe it is my responsibility to live in accordance with the laws of this country. As someone who values the Constitution, I believe the Constitution was put in place to protect my rights, but also to establish how I should live as a citizen of this nation. But my higher calling is that of a Christian. Over the last couple of years, I think many, many, many Christians have felt this friction or this conflict, not just in how we raise our children, although that is very present right now, but how we should live our lives, where we should go and where we should not go, what we should put in our bodies, how we should behave. These rules and regulations, these mandates being pushed down on us as citizens who also happen to be Christians. We see this as well in the world of church. These mandates are governments telling churches how they should behave even if that violates what they as a church and what we as Christians believe the Bible teaches. We typically then fall into one of two categories as Christians. (laughs) We either push back on all of it and say, I will have nothing to do with the government, I am a Christian, or 
we say things like, well, Romans chapter 13 tells us that we are to be subject to all authority, so we just need to go along with whatever the government says. Jesus said that we are to love uh, our neighbor as ourselves, so we have to consistently love and consistently demonstrate that love, even if in doing so we violate what Scripture tells us to do and how God has taught us through His Word to live. There's a friction. And I think that many Christians, well-intended, struggle so much with that friction that they've just pushed all doubt aside. They put their hands in the air. They've closed their eyes to what's happening. And they've said, I'm just going to go along to get along. What is a Christian's responsibility to governmental authority? This is a tough, tough question to answer which is why I'm not going to answer it. (laughs) And I'm very grateful for today's guest, uh, Brad Dacus. He has been with us before. He's the president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute. I want to read their, uh, their mission statement. As a legal nonprofit, our mission is to defend without charge the religious freedoms, parental rights, and other civil liberties of people who cannot defend themselves. We work diligently to provide our clients with dedicated, exceptional legal support, completely funded by our generous supporters. This question of the friction between government and Christianity has been on my mind. I've talked about it. I've read about it. Uh, I've had long discussions about it. Um, but I'm so thankful that Brad can come on and help us break this down. I'm excited about this conversation today, and I know that it will be a great help to you. My guest today is Brad Dacus. Brad has been with us before. He is the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. And if you missed our last episode, you need to go back and check that out. Uh, You can find that in the Situation Report archives. But uh, very grateful, Brad, that you'd come on again. Uh, You're busy. You're all over the place. In fact, I think the last place we saw each other was in Nashville. Uh, So, uh, man, great to have you on and taking some time for us. Oh, it's great to be on the program, Jeremy. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, sir. Uh, I want to jump into a specific topic that's really important to me, and I think one that many people struggle with. But before we get there, why don't you give us an update of what uh, Pacific Justice Institute is involved in and what you guys are doing right now? Yeah, we at Pacific Justice Institute now have uh, over 85 cases in active litigation. We do all our work without charge. Uh, We have um, offices all across the United States. Originally, we were just in California. Uh, we, are, we have uh, six offices now in California, but we also have offices in 17 states, uh, from wow. Miami to Boston to uh, south of Seattle to Southern California and many, many places in between. And uh, we are sort of unique in that we, do, you know, we defend religious freedom, parents' rights, uh, the sanctity of life, uh, but we do so without charge. And we work hard to make sure that everyone gets help, that no one's left on the side of the road. So we yeah. don't just like cherry pick a few high profile cases. We actually are right. very unique. We want to make sure that everyone gets help, and we do that all throughout the United States. If anyone needs assistance, they shouldn't hesitate to contact us. That's awesome. What are some of the big cases that you're involved in right now? Well, uh, a major uh, you know, case that we just won in the Ninth Circuit was on behalf of a, a church that wanted to move into a building in Salinas, and they were told by the city of Salinas that churches aren't fun enough, literally, F-U-N, <laughs> fun enough. Sure. And uh, they, they, you know, they, they convinced <laughs> wow. the local, you know, the uh, federal court judge that they were, that was good enough. But even the Ninth Circuit uh, couldn't swallow that. And it was set a great case law in favor of the, the church. We won. It was a great success. 
Uh, we had another issue dealing with uh, school districts not wanting to respect parental rights, uh, and then specifically in Contra Costa, they were requiring all the children, little children, had to be vaccinated with the COVID-19 uh, vaccine. And if they they weren't, um, you know, that was the mandate. There was no, you know, that's what it was. Uh, we went yeah. and we filed an action and we got that reversed. Uh, many parents yeah. are very happy and appreciative of the work we've done in this in this regard, uh, dealing with these very sensitive uh, issues. And uh, we're also, in, you know, defending right now a professor who was fired uh, from his job at Moreno Valley Community College because he decided to have uh, both perspectives uh, on a controversial issue such as marriage. He's a sociology professor. Uh, the diversity committee there said there's only one uh, perspective. And uh, it's sort of ironic, the diversity committee there's only one perspective and he was fired. We're representing him. And uh, teachers who were fired up in Oregon uh, simply because on their own time they expressed concerns about the policies of the of the local school of the local government, and uh, you know our position is, uh, you know, no one working for the United States government should lose their job simply because they don't agree with the policies of the state. I mean, right. That may be fine for communist China and and the likes for of sure. Putin, but not for the United States. Uh, so that's a, a major lawsuit. We already got their jobs back, but um, we're continuing with that litigation. So there's many lawsuits all across the United States. And uh, once again, we do it all without charge. Yeah, that's awesome. I know that uh, during the period of time where there were a lot of church lockdowns, in fact, the first place that I met you was uh, you were doing a talk to pastors about how to navigate some of these these issues. Um, it, it feels like we've come out of a lot of that, but you referenced the uh, COVID vaccination for children. I was just asked about that this last week how that's going to unfold in California. I think there's even some legislation legislation here in California to, um, I was going to use the word inflict, but to push that or foist that on our children. Um, does that legislation have the ability to gain any ground? I know in places like Los Angeles County, they're talking about that. Um, do parents have the opportunity to to bypass that or to avoid that? Yeah, we're, we're following lawsuits against those a few school districts that are already mandating uh, vaccines of uh, children, little children, against yeah. parental uh, consent. Uh, so that's what we're litigating. That right now, overall in California, parents have the right to file a personal belief exemption, and they can do that, and they can go to our website, pji.org, and register to get one of those, those basic customized forms that we're going to be preparing uh, once the, the mandate from the governor comes down. But if this legislation is passed, uh, which you're talking about, I think SB 866, which mm. says, hey, there's no personal belief exemption. Every child must get the vax, uh, whether in a public school, charter school, even private schools. If that happens, um, that would be uh, catastrophic, not only for parental rights, uh, but also I know many countless numbers of parents uh, would uh, leave the state and even more would choose to homeschool. Uh, we yeah. at Pacific Justice are weighing in on that, uh, but that's a serious threat to uh, deny parents the final say over something so controversial that yeah. already has a horrific track record of, of victims. Over 800,000, according to the Federal uh, Viral Register, have yeah. had serious medical complications. Over 23,000 have, have been uh, cited fatalities related to the vaccine. Uh, parents have a right uh, to, do, to this issue, and uh, yeah. oppressive states like California and others uh, apparently don't get the message. So we're having to litigate as well as work on legislation and, and fight legislation like we just talked about. Yeah. 
very grateful for the work that uh, you all are doing um, really on behalf of all of us. One of the things I appreciate about you personally and certainly the Pacific Justice Institute is that uh, not only do you represent individuals dealing with you know, these constitutional issues, but you approach it from a Christian perspective. You are a Christian. You, you preach and teach. And um, that's a unique view that a lot of people don't have. And I think over the last year, maybe two years, many Christians have been confronted with this, this friction between what we believe as Christians, what we believe as people that hold to the Bible, and what we believe we should do as citizens. And there are a lot of people that have really struggled with that. Um, and, and it's, I won't say it's a complicated issue, but it is one that I think people in good faith are trying to navigate and have tried to navigate some better than others. Um, for those that aren't familiar, I'd like to read a short passage of scripture, if that's okay. Just, sure. this is where a lot of this comes back to is Romans chapter 13. So people that, argue over this, they typically come back to this one passage of Scripture. And for those that aren't familiar, they're listening. I'm going to read a couple of verses. So this is the Apostle Paul speaking. Um, the world is a mess. It's, it's as bad or worse than what we're dealing with. And, and he says, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. And then it goes on. But these are very strong words from Paul. And he says, you need to be subject to the higher powers. And so a lot of people, Christians, as a default, particularly through COVID and through a lot of these other things, now we're seeing parental rights being not only challenged, but really being pulled back. So many things that our government is doing right now, and a lot of Christians are going, well, the admonition from Scripture is that we are to be subject to the higher powers. And uh, you're on the front lines of this. Can you break this down in a way <laughs> that we can navigate this as parents, as Christians, as good citizens? We want to be citizens, but uh, we understand that as Christians, we are citizens of heaven first. How do, you, how do you navigate this? How do you break this down? Yeah, that's a great question. And I have multiple answers uh, I'll uh, re respond to it with. Um, you know, first off, is yes, we need to abide by the mandates of government. We need to be good citizens beyond reproach. However, that's not an absolute. The absolute is that we need to, to follow the Lord and what God says to do. So if the government says uh, everyone uh, must uh, snort cocaine mm. and we know it's going to kill us, we know it's going to destroy us, that's obviously not God obviously wants to do it. So the first question is, um, does God not want us to do this? And for that, as Christians, we need to seek the calling of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray. I've had some people with regard to vac the vaccinations say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about vaccinations. I said, well, if you think Christianity is just simply um, a contractual you know, prayer you pray with, with God and then you just do, do the do's and don'ts, um, I, I, I see your point. But if Christianity is actually a personal relationship with the Lord, mm, yeah. a feeling of the Holy Spirit, seeking the guidance and direction of the Lord, then it's a totally different ballgame because millions of Christians across America have prayed, um, have sought the directions of the Lord as we're exhorted in Scripture to do and felt convicted by the Holy Spirit not to take these uh, very controversial vaccinations. So uh, that's first off is understanding what is Christianity Christianity is a personal relationship with the Lord, following uh, with prayer 
and supplication and thanksgiving, letting our requests be known, and to, and to allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to, to fill us with His peace, discernment, and wisdom uh, moving forward. That's real Christianity, and that must be mm. preserved. And also, you know, there, um, there's, you know, there's times when uh, we as Christians must uh, avoid and, pre- and uh, prevent a, a greater evil, a greater, greater harm. Uh, for example, you know, in the Old Testament, mother's mom, you know, or excuse me, Moses' mom, when he was a little baby, she, you know, it was ordered that these little babies were going to be killed. Uh, she didn't say, okay, here he is. You know, she put him in a basket, you know, hit him there, you know, behind some reeds in the, in, in the, in the river. Yeah. And when they yeah. knocked on her door, she didn't say, oh, I can't tell a lie. He's in a little basket. Yes, we have a baby. You'll sign free reeds to the right. right over there in the cove. No. <laughs> right. Because it would have been a greater harm. Corey Ten Boone's another classic example. Uh, they had the hiding place when the Nazis knocked on her door and said, "Do you have any Jews here?" She didn't say, "Yeah, I I've got to be obedient with the government. They're upstairs. Go get them and and and, and kill them," uh, because it would be a greater harm. Number one and number two, uh, it would it would violate the higher laws of God and law, mm-hmm. laws of nature and nature's God. And so, that is the first thing. Now, I will say, you know, we've had clients, uh, for example. There were churches, and they were ordered that they couldn't open up. And other states had already opened up churches, no problem. Yeah. Uh, there's five churches in Santa Clara County. They're in San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, they, they said, no, you cannot have any church services in your church at all. Right. Uh, we went ahead, and we filed a lawsuit on their behalf. Uh, they met outside uh, in a you know, tent meeting so they wouldn't be fined millions of dollars. We were very wise in our counsel in that regard. Uh, but we, nonetheless, we laid claim to their rights. We took it all the way to the Supreme Court. We got an emergency injunction from the Supreme Court, uh, and it said, open those churches now. Yeah. Governor Gavin Newsom of California, open those churches now. And uh, those churches understand that, uh, that uh, they can lay claim to their rights of appeal. Um, I know the Apostle Paul did that in Acts chapter 22. He's about to be scourged. He says, is it lawfully for you to scourge a man mm-hmm. a Roman and uncondemned? And then in Acts chapter 25, he laid claims to his rights to appeal to the highest court in the land, to Julius Caesar. Um, so using our rights, laying claim to our rights, putting yeah. God first, um, those are all very important principles in understanding what we should do as Christians in these difficult times that we're facing. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Someone will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD. You know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like... (laughs) I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. 
I remember talking to a licensed uh, social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went. Yeah, I'm glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Where do you or how do you determine, and you mentioned prayer, certainly we have to know what the Bible says, but what's the process? Are there three things that you go through or a process that you go through to determine, uh, I may not like this, but I'm going to go along with it because it doesn't violate who I am as a Christian um, or I'm not. What's the process that a person should go through? They're confronted with something they don't understand. It's not as clear as uh, teaching your kids to be transgender, for instance. It's not that clear. It's something a little more gray area. What's that process look like? Yeah, I, I think uh, let's, a gray issue is wearing masks uh, in places that you think yeah. it's ridiculous, that this is government abusing its power, and which I do, it, especially at this stage of the game, um, and, the, and the studies, medical studies that have come out. Uh, but nonetheless, we're in a situation where, you know, this is a, a, a lot of people are really angry. They feel like government's controlling us. Uh, yet there's nothing in Scripture saying don't wear a mask. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think that, you know, people obviously, number one, they should pray about it, say, Lord, what, give me the right heart and attitude. Uh, is this something um, that that's, that's, uh, I need to object to? Is this something that's going to be good for the kingdom for me to you know, and going into a, a store saying, nope, I'm refusing to wear this mask and I'm going to buy my groceries. Uh, uh, is, that, is, is, that, um, is that what you want me to do? Uh, I personally believe as Christians, we need to be discerning. Uh, we need to lay claim to our rights. Um, but we also uh, need to be winsome. And sometimes mm -hmm. that means, like the Apostle Paul, sometimes he lay claim to his rights, sometimes he relinquishes rights. Because the end goal was not about his rights. The end goal was furthering God's kingdom and the impact that would have on others for purposes of leading them to Christ and being discipled, uh, becoming yeah. disciples yeah. Of, of the Lord. So uh, I think in many times in cases, Christians look at this situation, they say, hey, this is ridiculous. They're controlling me. But at other times, they might want to say, you know what? I'm going to step back for a moment. Is this really uh, going to be a net gain for God's kingdom? Um, if I decide to die on this hill and not take and, and, and continue to refuse to wear a mask in this situation or in that particular situation, yeah. uh, I personally think that's uh, we need to be kingdom driven and we need to ask what impact would this have on the kingdom? Would this further God's kingdom? Sometimes it does for us to lay claim to our rights uh, and to do so vehemently and vigilantly with an organization like Pacific Justice Institute representing them. Other times. Um, it's actually better for the kingdom and their circumstances to relinquish those rights. Uh, you know, if, if the government ordered everyone to wear a white toga um, in order to <laughs> go to public places, would we skip going to church because the government says we have to wear a white toga? Or we, we say, okay, we'll all wear white togas. You know, um, that's not a hill to die on. You know, we'll fight it in the courts. We'll fight it with legislation. But... Um, you know, we're not going to forsake the congregating together, which is a much higher calling as to whether or not we have to all wear white togas.
It's always interesting to me when when people kind of push Romans 13 and some of these things. Um, I just watched a series of pastors or a series of clips of pastors saying, well, I need to love my neighbor. That's why I'm keeping my church closed and all these these things. It's interesting when you look at some of the authors of this, the Apostle Paul, he was martyred for the cause of Christ because he wouldn't go along with what the government wanted him to do because his calling to be an apostle and a preacher was was more important to him. Uh, Peter, of course, stood up and said, well, you can do what you want to with me, but I can't stop preaching the gospel when he was told by um, the religious leaders and the rulers to do that. And, and it's very interesting. We, we as a church, I think, the church, have really relinquished so much of our ability to think to the government. And so we as Christians aren't critical enough to really do what you just described, to break this down. Is this important? Is it not important? How important? What is my higher calling? And can I fulfill that by by going along, or should I fulfill that by not uh, moving forward? Um, when we look at the early church, it's really interesting it does not seem or appear that the early church was very politically involved. And that's one of the big pushbacks of people that say, we just need to go along with the government, that the early church was not politically involved. You don't find a lot of political involvement. Again, it was a very difficult time in the first century, just like it is now. Um, are we at a different time where churches now need to stand up as churches, um, not just as individual Christians, but as churches uh, or are we missing something when we look back 2,000 years to the founding of the church? Yeah, as I pointed out uh, with regard to the Apostle Paul, many people see him as some kind of passive guy and right. talking spiritually. Uh, no, yeah, he, he laid claim to his rights, um, you know, not to be scourged, the rights of due process, his rights to appeal to the highest court with the hopes uh, he had in Scripture that Caesar and his household would come to Christ. I'm sure that was strategic. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, we as Christians forget that the, the early church were, were not foolish, um, and yet, you know, they were very wise and discerning. They, they tried, you know, yeah. they avoided unnecessary conflicts. But one thing they didn't do, and that is they, they didn't sacrifice the calling of God to yeah. preach the gospel, to be followers of Jesus, and, and to uh, never deny their relationship with the Lord. That's why we at Pacific Justice Institute have all these, you know, cases we're taking on where people in the workplace and in other places... You know, they're not denying their faith. They're living their faith, laying claim to their, their convictions. And uh, that is exactly where we need to be as Christians. We, we don't need to create conflict that we don't need to, you know, doesn't need to exist. But we should never sacrifice that which God commands us. And in 2 Timothy uh, chapter, uh, chapter uh, 3, actually chapter 4, uh, verse 2, uh, it says, you know, preach the word in season yeah. and out of season when it's, Accept it, and when you get mud in your face, preach mm. the word. There's no qualifiers, no exemption clauses. Uh, we need to, uh, to be salt and light. And if government becomes hostile, if they end up putting us behind bars for preaching the gospel, sharing our faith, and so be it. We had a, a high schooler up in uh, the Seattle area where uh, he came to Christ. He was on fire for the Lord. Uh, God had transformed his life. He was uh, passing out his, uh, his, his tracks, sharing his testimony with other students. Um, he was suspended and, and then expelled from the school. We went into wow. federal court, wow. uh, and we defended his rights successfully. The court ruled that he has a right to be able to share his faith. I'm just so glad that he didn't just cower and just say, "Okay, well, yeah. I want to make you know the, the, the state of the school district authorities happy." Um, he, he kept his eye on the mark of what God's called him to do, 
And I think that needs to always be at the forefront of our thinking. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've watched, uh, again, over the last year or so, time is weird right now, right? We've got like pre-COVID and post-COVID and mid-COVID, and it's hard to figure it all out. But at some point in the near past, um, we've seen issues like critical race be introduced into schools. We're now talking about some of the gender issues that are being introduced into schools. And um, so many issues that historically Christians have stood firmly against. And it's been really interesting to watch as many churches, large churches and, and churches with pastors who are well known, have been very, very soft on some of these issues and really have been accommodating to some of them, even dismissing some of them as not important or not harmful. And I think we'll continue to see that. Um, what has caused a shift in the narrative that churches are moving into, this, this narrative of uh, Christ first, Bible first, to we need to be sensitive to what culture is doing, where the church is now almost being led by culture. What, what's happened that's caused that transition to take place? Well, uh, this has happened, this has been happening for a long time, uh, and it's even prophesied in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where it talks all about how uh, you know, forces against Scripture are going to invade the church, and uh, giving and teachers are going to be deceiving and being yeah. deceived and saying things that tickle their, the ear of the listeners. I mean, that's what we see in some of these mainline denominations now: the Episcopals, First United Methodist. Uh, you know, the, the these are uh, very, very you know serious issues where denominations, entire denominations, have said goodbye to the Word of God and instead mm. decide to be pleasers of men. In, in regards to issues that God's Word is very, very clear and very resolute yeah. with. Uh, interestingly, those churches that are compromising the most uh, from God's Word and trying to be pleasers of men are the ones that are shrinking the fastest. Uh, the churches that are growing are those that are staying uh, full, fully committed and devoted to the gospel. How did this all happen where we're at today? Uh, I believe you know, part of it is uh, the result of the power of the media, uh, also, the power of the Internet, the influence it has on our children and these gener and generations, mm. uh, the millennials, for example, who are uh, majorly divergent from other past generations in terms of their compromising of, the, of the, their beliefs, in terms of uh, no longer believing that the Bible is, is God's word, uh, lower church attendance. There's a, a real notable shift uh, in that generation and the generation following it. Uh, partly because of, of, of media, uh, in terms of uh, the, uh, the Internet and influences, uh, in terms of public education, government schools and the teachers' unions have become very uh, just outright um, secular humanist and very hostile to a, uh, anyone having a Christian biblical worldview, uh, all the way down to the kindergarten level, curriculum, pushing radical LGBTQ ideology. Yeah. Um, these are all a number of factors that come into play, I think, that cannot be ignored and parents in today's society need to need to understand that um, the, the the norm that they, they need to take greater measures of protection uh, and methodically for their with their children uh, because the social environmental influences are so strongly uh, in the wrong direction yeah that's right if you could describe the uh, the role of the church in American society as it should be, not as it is, but uh, this is this prescriptive. This is what the church should be doing in our society. How would you describe that? Well, they need to be uh, exhibit the love of Christ, and that's a, it. Seems like a generic thing to say, but it's it's much deeper than that. Um, the love of Christ isn't just having a church service. 
Um, it's actually caring for people outside your church walls. Yeah. And if a church truly cares about people outside the church walls, they're going to do things like voting, for example. Because mm. voting says whether or not you actually care about others. And if we don't look at that at, at that that it that way as Christians, we know that many in the world looking at us do. Uh, so that's one reason why we at Pacific Justice have a full-time pastor liaison in, a, in an office in Palmdale. It's our PJI church uh, engagement office, empowering churches to do voter registration Sundays. Um, this is a no-brainer. It's not only mm. legal, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. The church wants to show that they care and they want their voice heard, which impacts the unborn and the elderly, everyone and that we want them uh, impacted righteously and lovingly uh, as Christians. So that is something that they, they definitely need to do. Uh, we're helping with hundreds already uh, as far as churches do this. Um, also, uh, to, to preach and address the issues uh, with a biblical worldview. Not avoid the issues, uh, but actually address them. When, when the Bible's clear on something, don't avoid it, but address it. And, yeah. and don't try to uh, dilute it. But say what God's Word says, and uh, I, I think that this is something else we're exhorting churches to do is to address these issues, like critical race theory. Um, yeah. It totally yeah. goes against uh, b- biblical principles. It, yeah. uh, it encourages division, encourages uh, you know, uh, resentment and anger and guilt and fear and um, victimization and uh, uh, philosophies and attitudes that go totally divergent to the exhortation of Scripture as, as true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, these are things that a lot of pastors need assistance with, and we have great resources as, as well as others uh, that can help them understand some of these issues from a biblical worldview. What are some things that you and your work over the, the years that you've been doing this have seen that you wish people knew or would do? Some basic things that uh, Christians can do to not only learn about their rights, but protect their protect the rights, stand up for themselves, what should they, should they be actively doing? Uh, well, first off, if they have children, uh, they need to know their rights to protect their children from social workers. Uh, mm. Across the United States, some states are worse than others. Blue states are generally worse than, than red states, generally, but there is it it, a threat all mm. across America with children being wrongfully taken by zealous social workers. Uh, it's, catac- it's cataclysmic at this stage. And we at our website have a great resource called 12 Steps to Protect Your Children uh, from CPS. And we have at Pacific Justice have given emergency counsel uh, to help countless numbers of, of parents, Christian parents, from, from losing their, their kids. Uh, also, I encourage them, exhort them to strongly uh, reconsider having their children in government schools, uh, mm. particularly if they're in a school district that's dominated by the teachers' union. And most school districts are dominated, their school boards are dominated by the teachers' union. The curriculum, the ideology from woke to CRT to LGBTQ radical ideology and uh, curriculum all the way down to kindergarten. Uh, you know, towns like school districts like Fort Worth, for example, Fort Worth, Texas, they've got this, this material wow. I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so parents need to be proactive. They need to look at other educational alternatives like, uh, you know, private schooling, um, also homeschooling, and then even helping your church start a church homeschool co-op. We started this campaign right before the pandemic, and we're seeing countless numbers of churches hmm. start these little church homeschool co-ops. We, have, we can help them through it legally. We have four different models. Uh, it's, it's available. Our, our church engagement office is there. Uh, we're ready to, to assist. This is a great opportunity for church growth because many people who are non-believers are, are dissatisfied with government schools. Right. Right. And a great opportunity to help save a remnant of children. 
Yeah, that's good. Um, Brad, where can people uh, learn more about you and the work that you do, the work of Pacific Justice Institute? I know you also host a, a radio show. Uh, where can people learn about all of these things? Uh, it's really simple. They just simply can go to our website. It's pji.org. P for Pacific, J for Justice, I for Institute, dot O-R-G, pji.org. And they can also sign up to get our, our newsletter, The Legal Insider, for free on our website and keep up with our many, many cases across the country. That's awesome. Brad Dacus, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for the work that you're all doing, again, on our behalf. It's, it's good to know there's someone out there fighting that fight. Well, thank you. And you keep up your, great, your good work, too. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. He created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you and me. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. Sale of the year. That means it's not going to happen again. This is the sale of the year. What is it? For a limited time, you will receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You will receive a set for as low as $39.99. For a limited time, with any purchase, you will receive Mike's soft cover book free when you use promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. Along with this offer, you will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. For those of you that would rather use the phone, and some of you are out there, you know who you are, call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or MyPillow.com and use the promo code SITREP. I'm very grateful for the work of Brad and his team at the Pacific Justice Institute. He, he mentioned they started here in California, a real need, of course, in California. But now they are across the country. And uh, he has been such a blessing to so many folks, to many churches. And I'm very, very grateful for him. Thankful that he would come on and have this conversation with us. Uh, this is a conversation that many are having that more probably should have. <laughs> but that there are clear answers to. And uh, man, I just appreciate so much his perspective and input on that. Uh, he is a guy, he's on the front lines. He really understands this friction that uh, we talked about before the interview started, this friction between government and our responsibility as Christians and citizens and uh, grateful for his insights and appreciate you listening. This is one of those episodes that not only do you want to listen to, but you need to share. There is someone in your life that needs to hear this and uh, Brad speaks so clearly and uh, so well on this topic. So many topics, of course, but on this topic. And uh, I would encourage you to share this out with someone that you know. Uh, we interviewed uh, Brad in studio uh, some months ago now. It's probably been maybe almost a year ago now. You can find that in our archives as well. As well as all of the previous episodes of The Situation Report, over 100 episodes we've done now. And I would encourage you to go and check those out. You can find those, of course, on your favorite podcast platform, where I'm sure you are subscribed to the show. If you're not yet subscribed, hit that subscribe button on that platform so that you are informed three times a week when new content comes your way. And that would be great. If you'd like to watch the video content, it is these interviews, but the video uh, content Go to SalemNow.com, SalemNow.com. You can find all of the video content there and uh, all of our uh, backlog of episodes as well. And that would be fantastic. Uh, again, I hope this was a helpful conversation to you. I know it was to me. And I'd encourage you to share it out with someone 
that you know needs to think through this a little more clearly. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you next time. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.